you also need to treat data as your strategic asset as well. Data also needs to be invested in. It needs to be, I've already said, well curated. It needs to be maintained. Um, it needs to be looked after and it needs to be set free. Welcome to the Interchange Podcast, produced in association with Arcadis and hosted by me, Io Abbas. This show is a podcast talking about integrated transport infrastructure as the solution to achieving a more effective and decarbonised transport network. Our guest today is Jocasta Pritlove, who is the Head of Transport UK Public Sector for Google Cloud. We talked about how data is ultimately about the customer and that they should be at the centre of everything we do, including sharing data across nodes for a seamless passenger experience. And finally, why having accessible data that people can easily interact with is so important for decision making. Anyway, I'll let you get on with listening to the interview. Enjoy. Hi, Chikasta, and thanks so much for coming on to the Interchange podcast. Can you introduce yourself and your role at Google Cloud? Sure, and thanks for having me. Um, so I work uh, in our public sector team here at Google Cloud, um, and I look after the transport vertical. So I look after the Department for Transport. Um, I look after all of the agencies um, within that, and I effectively stop when we kind of come to local transport um, and local government. Yeah. And my colleagues um, cover that, and I work, you know, obviously very closely with them to look at the whole transport ecosystem. I also work really closely with my colleagues in the enterprise side of our business, who are looking after the um, the private sector um, transport companies, so you know, the the airlines and the airports and the, the yeah. coach companies and things like that. I'm going to ask a question, which is quite a basic question, but how does like Google Cloud impact uh, those verticals? What's your impact, and what what's the connection? From a cloud perspective, the way that we impact those those transport verticals are really about data, um, and we help those clients utilize data to the best of its abilities so that they can provide a phenomenal customer experience, um, so they can provide um, a fantastic service, um, so that they can look at what has been done in the past um, and predict what is going to happen in the future um, so that they are able to respond quickly to that, to deliver that fantastic customer experience and service that that we all want from from our transport networks. Which we certainly do, that's for sure. (laughs) And I guess my following question is, so what does integrated transport mean to you? What's, What's your definition of it? And why do you think it's important? So I think, to me, it means building... A transport infrastructure that puts the passenger and the freight users at the heart of every decision um, that's being made. What you want from an integrated transport infrastructure is to make everybody's journeys as seamless um, and as frictionless as possible. And that's really got to be about multimodality. In fact, it's got to be mode agnostic because this is about all of those different modes and all of those parts of the ecosystem coming together um, to build a service that delights everybody. Um, so, I mean, and that's you know, one of the reasons why we got involved with, with Interchange, because we know that Interchange feels passionately about that, and, and so do we. Um, 
And for us, this is what we do at Google every single day. Yeah. It's our top priority is focus on the user and everything else will follow. And what we mean by that is uh, when we build products, we build them in a way that people love to use. Because if we do that, then they use them. So we don't focus on our internal goals or we don't focus on our own bottom line. We focus on what is super important to our customers. And that is to keep things intuitive, to keep it simple, to make it easy. And then everything else will take care of itself because people will just love to use it. And then everything else follows. And I think that's an ethos that served us you know, in, in Google's business really well. So over the last 25 years, you know, we now have Google Workspace, which is using 3 billion monthly active users. And, you know, from a transport perspective, you know, as an example, we've worked with um, one of our partners, Carto, um, with the Department for Transportation in Hawaii. And they're using... Um, our platform and Carto's platform to take that data and take that AI um, and utilize it to mitigate the effects of climate change that um, is happening on their coastal infrastructure. Yeah. And that allows them to provide a better service to their customers um, by making sure that those, those coastal roads are you know, open and available for use. Yeah. But they've also taken it another step and using that data and they're presenting that to their customers on a regular basis so that the customers are kept informed. So it's all about... about plan as well then, right? Exactly. It's the whole kind of planning and resilience when you start looking at uh, kind of climate change, isn't it? And it's understanding what you need to have in place in your infrastructure and how to use it. And, and data is going to fuel you to be able to do that better, right? And yeah, absolutely. Data is yeah. kind of involved in every single decision-making process. Yeah. As humans, we all make decisions every single day. But if you're making those decisions on, you know, really well curated, well managed data, then you're making the most informed decisions possible. And that's what we are trying to do and trying to help our customers to do as well. And in terms of, I know you mentioned AI in that in that in that response. And are you finding that AI is kind of doing the kind of, I guess, number crunching more and like masses of data, or is it more that it's opening up new opportunities and new ways of doing things? How are you finding that and incorporating that into the workspaces that Google are working on? I think it's a, it's a bit of both. I think at the moment, the use cases that we're seeing around um, AI is really a more about removing the toil so we talk a lot about toil yeah and there's a lot of stuff that has to be done within an IT infrastructure and it's quite mundane um you know so even just kind of you know when you're running your your cloud console um you know you're having alerts popping up at you left right and center um, and to being able to kind of sort the wheat from the chaff and kind of use AI to kind of help you prioritize uh, which alerts are the most important and which aren't yeah. um, to, so that you can actually do your job better. So we're seeing a lot of that, a lot of that. 
Um, obviously, with the advent of kind of generative AI that's exploded this year, we're seeing um, a lot of use cases around helping people to self-serve data. So when we talk about um, our modern data strategy, one of the one of the pillars in there is is data experience, yeah. and it's really about kind of democratizing that data and allowing everybody within an organization the ability to, uh, to to interact with that data yeah now what large language models do is give you the ability to search that data in natural language so i was talking to a team a few months back um and it is their job to kind of take all of this data make sense of it and then produce reports yeah um and they said that 25% of their time is spent on people having read a report, coming back to them and going, could you just tweak that slightly? And could you just show me <laughs> it in this, this kind of way or that? Yeah. Okay, that's really interesting, but I'd really like to see it this way. Yeah. Now with generative AI, using those large language models, you can allow your users to search that data in natural language, literally just typing in, could you show me this, that, and the other? And then that data, will be, it will be brought back to them. They don't have to have access to the underlying data, and you can stop them surfacing you know, PII information, for example, if that's included in the data. So you've got the ability to kind of um, determine what people can and can't see, but it allows, it's, it stops that team having, you know, it frees up 25% of that team's time by being able to allow the users to self-serve with that data. And actually that ends up getting them the data faster so that they can make the decisions faster. So it's just removing toil from the system. And I guess it's also given people the, it's given people agency, right? It means that people can yeah. actually go in and actually take that data themselves and you're more likely to use it. In more Precisely. Making. Yeah, yeah. Precisely. And this is, and this is super, super important. Um, and you'll hear me talking about this a lot, and, and I'm going to be talking about it interchange as well, is that within the transport industry, assets are bridges, tunnels, yeah. rails, you know, physical things that you can touch and that you need to um, invest in and you need to maintain. And my counter to that is, yes, absolutely they are, but you also need to treat data as your strategic asset as well. Data also needs to be invested in. It needs to be, I've already said, well curated. It needs to be maintained. Um, it needs to be looked after. And it needs to be set free so that, as you've just said, people can use it um, whenever they need to. So th that's a big thing for me at the moment is, is trying to evangelise about the fact that data is an asset that is as important as all of the other assets within the transport in, um, infrastructure. Um, and That's yeah, I'm... like that. No, it's such a great analogy as well, because you start to think of it in that way and you're like, it needs investment. You need to look after it. You know, it, it's, it's, it's all of that stuff, isn't it? It's exactly yeah, absolutely. And, and, and it's really interesting as well, because from a data perspective, the more data is used the more valuable it becomes. And 
it's really important to have, and especially when you're talking about AI, it's super important to have a data platform that is robust, secure, and the data within it being well curated and well maintained. Because if you don't have that, it's garbage in and it's garbage out. Yeah. And that's only heightened by artificial intelligence, right? So, you know, you've got to make sure that you're investing in that. And I guess um, in terms of data and integrated transport, what kind of barriers and blockers and what enablers do you see happening in the industry? What things do you think can make more make this work better? I mean, the obvious one is is data sharing at the moment, especially across modes. Um, so at the moment, you know, the whole industry is, is kind of siloed um, in its thinking. And, and we all know it and we all talk about it and we all say, oh, yeah, you know, it's got to be broken down and we've got to kind of all start coming together. But then everybody kind of goes back to their day job and goes, no, but I need I to say, But how, I need how to- can we make this happen, Jocasta? <laughs> I think we are. I think we're making really, really good strides, and I think, um, you know, what um, what Rail Delivery Group are doing with the Rail Data Marketplace, I think, is is super interesting, and I think the ability to then allow it's called the Rail Data Marketplace, right? But the information contained within that Rail Data Marketplace isn't just Rail. Is is, is super important to you know to highways it's super important yeah. to the airlines and to the uh, you know and to supply chain and logistics and and all of that so i think you know th- but actually just having that marketplace there and serving that data up and and giving it a place to sit i think is 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 phenomenal and i think it's it's a, a really good first step and i'd love to see the other um the other modes kind of pulling all of that together as well and i know that you know that's what davin's trying to do at at national highways um so that you know everybody has a view of what is out there we have a lot of data everybody kind of says oh google you've got all of this data you know um to be fair not our data yeah so there's you know there's that that we have to deal with but what we do do is provide an awful lot of information through things like Ways for Cities. So that takes all of the Ways data um, and it aggregates it, anonymizes it, and it provides it to public sector entities free of charge with a six month history so that they can see what is happening in their their areas. Another element that we um, that we do is um, Environmental Insights Explorer, where we take information from Google Maps. Again, we aggregate it and we anonymize it um, and we present it um, to public sector organizations and they can use that platform to you know, push their own data into it. But they can see buildings emissions. They can see um, traffic emissions. Um, I think they're looking at um, air quality um, is is one of the things that's being worked on at the moment. Um, And again, that's all stuff that we provide free of charge to public sector entities to allow them to decarbonise, to run a more efficient infrastructure and to give back to the communities. 
this is a question. Do, do public sector entities know how to utilise this information? I think that varies. And I think, yeah. um, you know, if you look at um, some of the STBs, so like Transport for the North, you know, doing fantastic things um, with data analytics, you know, they've developed the common analytical framework um, that's being adopted by the rest of the, um, the rest of the STBs. Yeah. But then I think when you kind of go down to into the more kind of local and um, local transport levels, the digital skills there, I think, um, are are lacking, and they have so much to do, and they have yeah. so many drains on their time and on their resources. They're very very limited resources. Um, that it is really difficult for them. Um, yeah. And you know, one of the things that that we're trying to do is provide um, digital training. Um, you know, we have our Google Cloud Skills Boost, and we've got various courses on there that are available um, to everybody for free um, to give people that grounding um, in in digital and data, and trying to kind of lift um, lift those skills um, up to the levels that they need to be. It's a we're not there yet. Um, and, I, you know, it's something that we really feel needs to be picked up because I think the, the, the positive side is if you start to do that, and we've, we're all very well aware that the transport industry is, um, is ageing and there aren't, you know, we don't see enough people coming into the industry. And I think if you can build an industry where you can point to the fact that you're using the most advanced data analytical skills where you've got people, you know, companies like, you know, Google um, working within that industry to draw people in and to encourage people to consider transport as a career choice. I think that's got to be a positive thing, right? So yeah. it's there are there are there are multiple things that need to be doing and you know we're trying in our way to kind of um to help that because that digital skills gap is across the across society isn't oh it? it's, yeah it's it huge is. it's it's, it just, it's not just going, no and we've got this whole we've got all this data and you're there going but it's all there for the taking but it's just, it's exactly. the upskilling of what the opportunity is isn't it because that's the thing you're there going we could really and, it, and, it, and it's not and it's not necessarily just about kind of having those you know hardcore digital coding skills right it's about yeah. understanding the impact that data can actually have on jobs where you wouldn't really necessarily think that data was was it was that important you know you know I've worked with clients where people will go out and kind of plot where an asset is and they won't do it particularly particularly accurately because they can see the asset they know where it is and they know when they go back next time it's going to be there again right so they're just like well it's just vaguely there it's about there but then actually not understanding the impact that then has on actually when somebody's looking at that digital representation and going okay so it's here it's not precise it's, it's not precise enough yeah so that then that causes problems down the line so you know as an example you take that latitude and longitude that lat long 
and you you plot it on Google Maps, and it turns out that that asset is you know ten meters away from where it actually is. You know that can cause real problems when you're when you're trying to you know do some predictive analytics on it or whatever. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So I it, guess it's those little things, isn't it? It's like actually, you know, this, having preciseness does matter. Absolutely. Having that ground source of truth. So having, and that goes back to having that really robust data platform where all of your data, you can trust it. And I think that's one of the big issues that we see in transport at the moment is that people don't trust the data that's there. And, you know, and, you know, as I say, in some cases, probably quite rightly when you're kind of, oh, it might be there. So it does need to be a bit more robust across the piece. And in terms of, um, in your ideal world, I mean, how would you, if we were, say, looking forward to 2035 and we were looking at integrated transport infrastructure, what would that look like? From a user perspective, it would look like I could walk out of my door and I would be able to, so, yeah, I live near Winchester, so I would love to be able to walk out of my door, walk to the bus stop, be able to get a bus that will take me directly to the station, which will take me directly from Winchester into Waterloo and then get me across to Victoria um, so that I could go to my office and then come home again without me having to use my car. Um, You know, it would be great if I could, um, you know, order a coffee so that it'd be waiting for me at the station when I get there because it's really cold today. Um, Or it would be really great if, you know, something would pop up on my phone to say, by the way, there's been a bit of a problem. Your train's delayed. um, So we suggest you get this bus instead of the one that you're about to leave and get so that I'm not standing at a bus stop for ages. It's really cold. Um, It takes all the thinking away from you, right? It kind of helps you. It, it, It kind of helps your life and helps you move around. It does, you know, it should be, you know, it should be, it should be effortless. It shouldn't take me hours to search through all of the different ticketing options that I need to look at to get from Winchester to Manchester, you know, and try and get, okay, so if I buy that one, am I allowed to use that train? Is that a pink train or I don't really understand that. Um, I, and this so point, the whole ticketing thing does need to be like because we've got yeah <laughs> it's so many separate systems that you're just there going it doesn't exactly. work <laughs> it, doesn't, it, it doesn't work and you know to be fair you know I know that um, that GBRCT and you know Anik Chandarana they're all looking at that and they they yeah. they you know Anik has stood up many times to say you know with this many ticketing options this is not a good customer experience so you know but it's not, as I said before, it's not just about that rail experience. It's about, you know, do I really need to go and buy a bus ticket and then buy a train ticket and then get in an Uber or whatever? Mm. It's really just about that seamless experience where I don't have to think and I can just go when I want to, where I want to, pay for it, be done. And then I can actually go back and check what I've paid for and make sure that I'm, it's, you know, right and I'm happy with it. That would be lovely, wouldn't it? It would. And on that utopian kind of fantasy. 
I say thank you so much for coming onto the show, Jacasta. Hope you enjoyed it. No problem. Thank you for having me. It's been lovely. Thanks for listening to Interchange. And remember, it's not just a podcast. Interchange is much more. It's also a two-day major exhibition and conference taking place on February the 27th and 28th in Manchester Central. Head to www.interchange-uk.com to find out more.